Mary Keating was a lady who in the nine plus decades that she was on earth never lost her sense of awe and wonder. Two things in particular she never took for granted were the majesty of God as seen in creation and the love of God as seen at the cross. When I would go round to see her, she would often talk of how amazed she was at creation and nature. She would point out the things that we so easily take for granted. And she never got over the cross. She told me once that she was very struck by John 3.16. It is perhaps the most famous verse in the Bible. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. She once said that she was struck by what Jesus did for our sins and for the sins of the world. Then she paused and she said, such love we can't comprehend it. Such love we can't comprehend it and today she understands that love much more clearly than any of us the prayer of the apostle Paul for the believers that that he knew is being answered in her as she is given strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of God that surpasses knowledge But even greater than the prayer of the Apostle Paul for those he knew being answered in Mary. A prayer of the Lord Jesus for Mary was answered two Lord's Day mornings ago. As she entered the eternal Sabbath which the weekly Sabbath is a signpost to. The Lord Jesus prayed on his last night on earth. And he said, Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me may be with me where I am to see my glory. That prayer of the Lord Jesus for Mary was answered on the 29th of January. And today Mary is with Jesus seeing his glory. Just as he prayed that she would. So how is such a thing possible? And how can we experience that same love both here and then? And how can we see the glory we were created to see? Well, it can't be through anything we do. It can't be through good works. Mary was keenly aware of her own sin. She hadn't the slightest thought that she deserved God's grace. Perhaps it was that which kept her from joining the church until November of 2017, when she professed her faith in Jesus Christ and became a member here. She knew that she could never do enough good works to outweigh the bad. And she knew that religion couldn't save her but rather it was all of grace 
And so for the rest of our time this morning, I want to direct our thoughts to a chapter in the Bible which tells us that very clearly this afternoon. It's also a chapter that meant a lot to Mary personally. In August 2018, I visited her after a fall. And she said that one passage she kept coming back to was Romans 5, and particularly the first verse. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So many people, if, if they believe in life after death at all, and if you ask them whether they think they're going to heaven, they will say that they hope so. But the believer in Jesus Christ does not need to talk in terms of merely hoping. When the Bible itself speaks of hope, it's not some uncertain thing. Biblical hope is a certain confidence in what one day will happen. When we talk about peace with God, it's not something that believers merely hope to experience one day. But it's something which we can enjoy now. For the Christian, peace with God is a reality. Whether on any given day we feel at peace with God or not. Because it doesn't depend on our feelings. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God. And that can sound arrogant to say... I'm at peace with God. I'm certain of heaven. Other people around me may not be certain, but I am certain. It it can sound arrogant, and it would be arrogant if it depended on us. But it doesn't depend on us. It depends on Jesus. He himself is our peace, the apostle says elsewhere. And as a result, he, he writes in Romans 5, having been justified by faith, We have peace with God. Not simply that we will have peace with God in the future, but that we have peace with God now. A peace with God that is based not on his future verdict on our performance, not based on our performance, but if we can put it this way, based on Christ's performance in our place and that was Mary's hope that by faith in him by what he did in her place that she was justified uh, that she had been declared righteous and as a result she knew peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ and that inward peace leads to outward rejoicing we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Even in our sorrow today, the Christian is one who is sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. We sorrow for our loss. We feel the weight of the grief, but we rejoice knowing where Mary is and knowing that if our faith is in the same Saviour, we will one day see her again. Mary rejoiced in that hope of glory when she was on earth. And today for her, the, the hope has given, away, given way to reality. Faith has given way to sight. 
In a short while, Mary's earthly remains will be put in the ground. And the Bible has a high view of the body. Our catechism tells us that the the bodies of believers are still united to Christ as they rest in the grave until the resurrection. And so what we will do later on is, as the Word of God says elsewhere, it is planting a seed in the ground. And we do that in faith and in confidence that one day she will be raised. But in a very real sense, even as as we look at this coffin today, as we will see it lifted and carried and lowered into the ground later, we can adapt the angels' words about Jesus and apply them to Mary. She is not here, but is risen. Not physically, not yet, but she is not here. She is with her Saviour. Her soul is with Christ. As the same catechism question also teaches us, the souls of believers are at their death, made perfect in holiness, and do immediately pass into glory. Mary had made Paul's words her own in this first verse of Romans 5. She could say, and she did say, being justified by faith, I have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. But the following verses were also very relevant to Mary. And I wonder, is this why the passage kept coming back to her? Because as the apostle goes on to say in verse 3, And not only so, but we glory in tribulations. Or as we could put it, we rejoice in our sufferings. And Mary knew a fair bit about suffering. She lost her dear husband John in 2005. By the time I met her seven and a half years ago, she had already been without him for a decade. In more recent years, she had a number of falls, hospital stays. During COVID, as a resident in a care home, there were extended periods of time where she wasn't able to have visitors. She herself had COVID twice at a time when many of her fellow residents died from it. And I'm sure that was a particular trial as her hearing meant that telephone conversations were difficult. Latterly, she had a number of seizures and was suffering from dementia. And yet, as Christians, we can rejoice in our sufferings. Not in the suffering itself, but in what it leads to. Because as the Apostle goes on to say, we know that suffering produces endurance. Suffering for the Christian this is. uh, And endurance produces character. And character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame. Because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Mary had a lot that she could have complained about, that others would have complained about, but she bore her trials with grace and with patience. And despite her trials, 
Despite her dementia, her faith remained when so much else had been taken from her. I last visited Mary on the 21st of December. She didn't say anything during the visit, but she smiled as I read the scriptures. And then after not saying a word the whole time, when I began to sing Psalm 23, The Lord's My Shepherd, she sang along with me, singing those familiar words that had been implanted not just on her mind but on her heart. And then she held my hand as I prayed. And today her suffering is over. That's something which is often said as a cliche when someone dies. Whether they had faith in Jesus or not. Whether they had a sure hope of heaven or not. But to say it about Mary is no cliche. It's not wishful thinking. Her suffering really is over. And she is in the presence of her saviour. And so to come back to the words of our opening psalm and the prayer that God would teach us to bear in mind our end and count our days that we might learn wisdom. What lessons can we draw from Mary's life? What, what testimony does it leave us with? Well, firstly, today to, to anyone who might say, I hope that I'll get to heaven one day. To speak like that is to speak as if your hope for heaven depends on your performance. But if that is your hope, you will never get there. If we try and relate to God on the basis of the law, we will be crushed by it. And I came across a powerful illustration of this recently. Mary would have been a young woman of 22 when the Princess Victoria went down. That last day of January 1953. One of the worst uh, peacetime maritime disasters uh, to take place in British waters. And what I learned the other week on the 70th anniversary was that many of the victims of the disaster were actually killed by their own life jackets. The cork life jackets weren't designed to be worn while jumping several metres into the water. Or, or at least if you did, you were meant to hold them down and away from your neck, lest the force of hitting the water knocked you out or even broke your neck. But in the chaos and the confusion, how many remembered and people were killed by what they thought would save them. Uh, the life jackets which, which promised life, it, it's, it's there in the name, actually spelt death. And it's the same with the law of God. If we try to get right with God by the law, by, by what we do, the very thing that promises life will prove death to us. And so our, our only hope can be in Jesus Christ because through him God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. And because God has already done it, because on the cross Jesus said it is finished, then we can know the peace that he offers right now. That peace doesn't come automatically. It doesn't come by living in a Christian country or being a part of a Christian church. 
but it's offered to all who will come to Christ in repentance and faith. And to finish this afternoon with a point of application to those whose faith is in the same Saviour as Mary's was. In a world where people are so quick to complain, so quick to be negative, Mary has left us an example of someone who who never, as far as I know, asked, why is this happening to me? But instead what left her wondering was why God had been so good to her, so kind to her. And because she knew the love of Christ, such love that she couldn't comprehend, that helped her, by God's grace, to rejoice in her sufferings. Because she knew that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and that hope did not put her to shame. And it's all because of the love of God, which was poured into her heart by the Holy Spirit, who had been given to her. Amen. We'll close by singing the words of the last psalm that I sang with Mary. Perhaps the the last words that she ever sang in this life. And if that is the case, how fitting they are. The Lord's my shepherd, I'll not want. Want in the sense of lack. In other words, the Lord is my shepherd, I will lack nothing. And Mary knew the truth of the middle verse. Yea, though I walk in death's dark veil, yet will I fear none ill. For thou art with me, and thy rod and staff me comfort still. And how fitting as well the final verse. Words which were Mary's testimony, and which can become the testimony of all who put their faith in her Saviour. Goodness and mercy all my life shall surely follow me. And in God's house forevermore my dwelling place shall be. Let us stand and sing these words together.